Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 240 of the Spoiler Alert podcast brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Danny, and I'm joined by Mike, and tonight we'll be discussing the new Dick Cheney biopic, Vice, written and directed by Adam McKay. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Danny. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Happy New Year. Same to you. We've seen a lot of movies in the last uh, week, even this one together, which is a rarity for us. It is a rarity, and we have been sort of cranking out the movies. It's that time of, that time of year, and, and we're going to be coming up on another Dead Zone soon, so we got to stack them, pack them, and rack them at this point. <laughs> exactly. Before we get into Vice, I did want to briefly address uh, an issue from our recording from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh. Um, it was brought to my attention that I made a comment early in the episode that I just want to preempt any angry emails that I get. Not angry emails, but snarky correcting emails. Oh, okay. So let me just go ahead and head that off for any listeners. Uh, in the uh, Right in the opening, we, I, I talked about Sony Pictures wanting to continue on with the Spider-Man franchise. We addressed that they had big hits in the early 2000s with their three Spider-Man movies directed by Sam Raimi. And then you said you said what happened, and I said, well, Marvel took over. And I didn't mean Marvel took over the Spider-Man franchise. I mean Marvel took over the comic book film universe yeah, box office right. with Iron Man in 2008 and really went on to sort of redefine success in that genre. And then later Marvel did in fact help out with Spider-Man Homecoming. But I wasn't implying that The Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 were taken over by Marvel – Understood. But, but if, it, if that line's taken out of context, by then I know it will be by a few folks. Uh, probably people associated with those films. They will right, be ticked. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Andrew Garfield, he's really going to get in front of me. <laughs> Good right. thing Emma to clean Stone. that up now before it becomes the form it's inevitably going to become. Exactly. Dennis Leary's going to call me up just cursing, <laughs> calling me an idiot, saying that he, he would never work for Marvel. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, anyway. I, I wasn't wrong. And the one other thing that, that we didn't touch on is we were talking about the whole multiple Spider-Man, uh, Spider-People, all the different universes. We never got to discuss the fact that in one of those limitless universes, there probably is a character called Bill Spiderman. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> and he's like an actuary, but he's been bitten by a radioactive spider. Yes. And I know yes. that's a gag that we laugh about. <laughs> Every time you say Spider-Man, you say Spider-Man. <laughs> but I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So, if, if if that guy doesn't exist, we should in, invent that guy in the universe. Bob Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah. Bob yeah. or Bill, one of the two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, well, so I, I'm glad I got that off my chest and out of the way. Thank you to anybody who's now deleting their snarky email, which they were typing to me. Um, when you said it was a problem with the audio... I thought, oh, for certain we'd have already heard about this by now because people are not shy about pointing out our audio flaws. And there have been very few out of 240 episodes, <laughs> but we appreciate that feedback. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about Vice. Let's, let's talk about Vice. Yeah, sounds um, good. Uh, do you want to start us off with a plot recap? Let's do it, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I suppose you could just say that this is about D- Dick Cheney, but I'll go a little further than that and describe Vice as a comedic biopic of the life of Dick Cheney following him from his young adulthood in Wyoming, where he's working as a lineman after dropping out of college, all the way to becoming the 46th vice president of the United States under George W. Bush. Along the way, we meet his domineering wife, Lynn, and the significant influence she has on his career, see his devotion to her and their two daughters. 
Scattered among the scenes explaining his health issues, we watch his political career launched as he interns for Donald Rumsfeld during the Nixon administration, becomes Gerald Ford's White House Chief of Staff, gets elected to Congress, serves as Secretary of Defense to the Elder Bush, and eventually settles into a life outside of politics as the CEO of Halliburton, before being approached by W to be his running mate, and he only agrees to do so after convincing Bush to give Cheney significant executive responsibility within the administration. He navigates troubled political waters as his Republican ideology conflicts with having an openly gay daughter, and now lives today as the recipient of a heart transplant. And that's the plot and kind of, you know, second half of the life of Dick Cheney. What did you think of Vice? I liked it. This is an Adam McKay that I enjoy. You could describe the filmmaking style of this as quite similar to the big short uh, from a few years ago. Less like Anchorman from a few years before that. Right. Uh, But I like this Adam McKay. I like those quick scenes. Um, I think that he covers tricky material in a somewhat light way most of the time, occasionally breaking the fourth wall. He did that, the big short as well. Um, and, you know, he, given that he did that same sort of style in the big short, that cliff note version of the 2008 financial crisis still didn't help me fully get it. Like, I think when we reviewed it, I talked about, I, I, you know, they're, they're breaking the fourth wall and explaining things to me in like seventh grade terms here. And I'm, it still goes over my head. This biopic, I think it's a little easier to digest that kind of information. And so I could appreciate it more this time. Sure. Uh, I liked seeing the movie with you. Okay. And there were parts of it that I enjoyed. All right. But th- I was not a huge fan of Vice. This, to me, felt a little bit too Michael Moore meets Oliver Stone meets sure. The Big Short. And some of that fourth wall breaking that you mentioned, I, f- I saw the need for it in The Big Short. I work in the financial industry, so I I felt confident in the causes behind the great financial crisis, but I totally understand that normal humans don't have an interest and weren't that interested in credit default swaps and all the other uh, issues at hand. So that fourth wall stuff was really, really helpful. I felt there here. It just felt like an opportunity for the most part to sort of snarkily get on a soapbox or kind of evangelize against the life or times of Dick Cheney. And it just felt like, I don't know that there was anything other than um, the unitary executive theory where you really needed some sort of primer where you needed someone to do it. Otherwise, it just felt like, okay, now we're in more of a a documentary and it's sort of like an Oliver Stone overly edited weird quick cuts of – you know, a flower wilting while someone's talking like for no reason (laughs) – you know, I totally like, know what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, you know, like just sort of a quick aside that you're like, what? What is this? Uh, but just to be overly visual, uh, that I felt like I didn't know that that really helped anything. I, I I get what you're saying. I think that unlike Oliver Stone, who who would have cut it in a certain way to make it look like a documentary, even though it's just kind of his opinion on the way a lot right. of things went down. <laughs> right. And so uh, somewhere in between there and then Michael Moore, who does like to do the flashy, in-your-face kind of can-you-believe-what-they-got-away-with sort of gotcha moments. That's sort of where this lives. But I guess I could also appreciate that as much as I recall 
this administration. This wasn't too far in our nation's history, and I was certainly an adult at the time. I'm still able to learn a decent amount about history that I think is actually fairly accurate, even if maybe you know, kind of painted a, a specific way to align with the director's beliefs. And and I think that would have to do with, I, I would have been shocked to learn how close he actually was to President Nixon and, and Rumsfeld for sure, yet ended up kind of unscathed in Washington and moved up quickly. And, and I, right. I, I was able to learn about kind of where the distance between Watergate and these guys came and how they were just sort of lucky to have been in another room at the, at the right time. And I think that, I think that luck is kind of a common string through a lot of this. He was lucky that his yeah. his wife kind of slapped him around and said, "Get your act together." And he was lucky that um, that he he was in the right room at the right time and not in the right room at the wrong time. And and how how these little moments can lead up to to such a shaping of of history is is pretty fascinating to me. I think all of that is fair. And I think there's a lot to like about the movie. I, I think the acting, first and foremost, was uniformly strong. Christian Bale as Dick Cheney was really incredible. It was another Christian Bale physical transformation where he gained yeah. a couple dozen pounds for the role, as well as spent hours every day in the makeup chair. I thought Amy Adams was very good as his wife. I thought um, Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld was a little bit devil may care more so sure. than I ever noticed Donald Rumsfeld being, but he was fun to, to watch and I enjoyed him. So I, I thought it was a really strong cast, good acting. And there were a number of really interesting moments. Yeah. Um, and it, and some of that editing and some of those quick visual asides are very funny or they are very, um, uh, entertaining or, or moving. I just felt like either there was too many of them or just, Tonally, I couldn't decide if this is a satire, if it's a documentary, if it's a warts and all biopic, right, or if it's kind of a mishmash. Well, it's interesting that you use the phrase warts and all because I think that uh, certainly people that lean to the left would describe Dick Cheney as a say bad man. Like I, I don't want to overgeneralize here, but a villain, yeah. right? Um, and I think that Christian Bale was really quite good. I mean, he nailed that mumbling out of the side of your mouth characteristic of, of Dick Cheney's just perfect. I can't imagine how long it would take to perfect something like that. Uh, but I do also feel that he's he's portrayed even kind of sympathetically in some parts. I think that his decision not to run for president uh, because of the scrutiny he would place upon his daughter and, you know, kind of dragging her name through the mud... Um, for her being openly gay it was a a tender moment. Now, you can argue that that was a good or not good reason to opt to run for president or not, but he was doing it in the best interest of his daughter, and I thought that that portrayed him uh, sympathetically. Especially since later in the movie, the movie implies that he told his other daughter to basically throw Mary under the bus right. and talk about how gay marriage is wrong and marriage is between a man and a woman and... It, it seems like she came out and made those public statements, according to this movie, at Dick Cheney's 
urging or at least with his tacit with agreement. With yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll say for sure that, you know, Christian Bale, even portraying him occasionally sympathetically or the writing that allowed that to happen, doesn't make me for a minute really want to know the man. Uh, I would not want to know this character. Uh, and I didn't back in the early aughts either. So I, I guess it hasn't changed my opinion of him anyway. I would say the performance I disliked, you mentioned Amy Adams. And while I think that she's a fantastic actress and good in her portrayal of Lynn Cheney, a woman that I know very little about. Like, I, I couldn't say whether she was nailing it or not. It seemed, she seemed really one note. Um, there, there, I never saw her in a sympathetic light whatsoever. And she almost seems, you know, Dick Cheney's been, history has regarded him as kind of the puppet master of the George W. Bush administration. She kind of seems like the man behind the curtains, right? <laughs> like, right. like well, what's he doing that she's not telling him to do? And then he right. goes and usurps the presidency. <laughs> so it, it, that was an interesting take on it. But there was nothing likable about Lynn Cheney that I could see. I think that's all fair. Like, I don't, I, I can't, I can't argue any of that, but I want to come back to the puppet master in just a second. Cause I do want to also give kudos. This movie, you and I both, I think the biggest laugh out loud moment is after the Ford administration, when Jimmy Carter becomes president, uh, the movie kind of has the audacity to use titles on the screen to sort of catch us, you know, to get rock through a couple of years with the history and show us that Dick Cheney, you know, left the government, um, uh, left the government. He went to work in the private sector, became a CEO of Halliburton. Right. <laughs> and then it just starts giving us like the titles as though the movie is over. Right. The, the ro- that, rolling end credits. Yeah. Lynn We're 45 Dick, minutes in. Re- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Retired from public life and public scrutiny. They, they went on to raise award winning golden retrievers. They lived <laughs> happily in Virginia. And honestly, credits roll. And we're just laughing out loud. And those credits are interrupted by the phone call of George W. Bush to Dick Cheney, like the call that sort of changed all our lives, supposedly, right. by bringing him back into the public view and giving him the opportunity to to reshape the vice presidency. Um, but I just thought that was riotously funny. Yeah. Again, tonally, it was like, OK, so this isn't a biopic. This isn't a documentary. This isn't in your face, sort of thumb in your eye to Dick Cheney. And to the entire conservative base that elected him, and but it was funny. I think there was and another, it was really well done. I mean, I, I couldn't. Not there was laugh another one that. of those moments where I think Dick Cheney asks Donald Rumsfeld, like, "Well, what is it that we believe in?" And all Donald Rumsfeld does is just laugh for like fifteen seconds, like meant to imply, you know, what what does it matter, dude? <laughs> let's let's move on. So that's a perfect segue to the number one thing I didn't like about this movie, and it's it's. I felt like the movie either it couldn't decide or it wasn't giving me enough information even to what Adam McKay and the filmmakers think of Dick Cheney. Is he a Machiavellian, brilliant, tactical genius who's behind the scenes, the puppet master, who's manipulating the power structure for his benefit, for the energy company's benefits, to line his pockets and his donors' pockets – and just generally usurp the the presidency, or is he sort of a dope who couldn't mumble his way through one crappy campaign speech when he's running for Congress or when he was working for Rumsfeld? Like, honestly, 
didn't seem to know what day it was in most of the sequences, let alone what policies he was supposed to be pursuing. I mean, it really felt like it wanted it both ways. Like, is he so stupid he just sort of lucked into everything? Yeah. Or is he a totally genius villain? And I feel like the movie's saying he's both, and I just can't believe that he's both. That anyone would be both. I think that I think you're right that the movie is saying that it was both, and I think that that's a a fair criticism to take away from it as something that's a little hard to swallow. Like in, in Michael Moore's movie, you'd at least know what he wants you to believe because he he'd like put dope in big flashing letters across the screen every <laughs> right. few minutes or something. He'd like that. pick one and he'd lean into it. This right. one, it's like any bad character flaw you can associate with a human they want to give to dick cheney yeah right and in fact in the ending there's like a five minute sequence where we get a montage and visually it implies that every problem we face today is dick cheney's fault (laughs) from from climate change to school shootings to info wars and like the the attack on uh, the traditional media right. and real journalism and fake news. It's all Dick Cheney's fault. And it's right. like, now come on. <laughs> I mean, there is just laying the blame for every single problem that anyone has out there. At this one guy's feet is just sets too tall in order. Yeah, I agree. I, there was another in, intended to be funny moment that that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and and it's. Um, an observation of a focus group and somebody makes a crack about how they just can't handle the politics anymore and but let's talk about the new Fast and Furious movie and yeah. and, and I think that it, while I offer my criticism about that movie and the money it makes and I can't believe this many people want to go see it the fact of the matter is you can both like what I deem to be crappy movies and still have a brain about politics. And I think that that scene was like a bridge too far in, right. in into our cultural mainstream now where there's either left-leaning wonderful intellects or people that can't handle the stalemate in Washington and our mouth-breathing Fast and Furious fans. And I just thought it was a... Right. It, it was that to me, and it was close to the end of the movie, was the most broadly painted or broadly used paintbrush by him in the movie and it was a throwaway line that I just felt was like okay now you are veering into Michael Moore territory well and the whole scene I agree and the the GOP the conservative in that scene was sort of a gun-toting redneck you know anti-PC let's get these foreigners out of our country kind of guy and that sequence which is after the credits or halfway through the credits really seemed designed to preempt some of the inevitable conservative backlash over this movie and, and seem to imply, well, all we did was tell facts. And if you can't handle facts, then you just must be a Trump loving idiot. And then you're right. Then it's the young person who's like, just going to disengage entirely and not take a side. And instead wants to see the new movie. Cause it's lit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. The, the last sequence like that, that just sort of, I felt like they really wanted to do something cool and different that just didn't land for me was a sequence, uh, the Shakespeare sequence, Mm, where after Cheney meets with George W. Bush the first time, the voiceover right away says, you know, we'll never know what really went on in his head. We we don't know what the private moments between the Cheneys were like after that meeting. It's not as though we're going to go to some sort of Shakespearean 
interlude and we'll get this full range of emotions and then of course that's what they do it's right and for like one second it was funny and then they took it for another 30 seconds and i just felt like this is dumb no that's that's fair as well i was really not a fan of the sam rockwell casting as george w bush I think, actually, Josh Brolin was a better W in that Oliver Stone movie several years ago. And he looks nothing like W. Will Ferrell did W way better, and I think would have been a better better casting in there. It it reminded me of when... um, when John Cusack played Richard Nixon in The Butler, oh. do you remember that movie? Like, <laughs> yes. every president that showed up on the screen, you're just shaking your head like, why did they pick him? This what? Is, wasn't like yeah. Robin Williams, Eisenhower, or something. <laughs> yeah, it, was, yeah. it was just really pretty stupid. And I felt like this was veering into, veering into that territory. And and what's up with Tyler Perry playing Colin Powell? Was that not distracting? Uh, it was very distracting. And and again, one of those like, was he there to be funny? Was he supposed to be comic relief in the few lines he had as Colin Powell, or or was this like, um, Gone Girl, where you get a, a sort of a serious Tyler Perry role that we're just he's just a good actor like I. I it, it's played broad and it's Tyler Perry and his makeup is sort of weird where you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Again, doesn't look an awful lot like Colin. Like Colin Powell is kind of a big guy. Tyler Perry is a, a little thinner. Like d- didn't come off well at all. No. What's up with the photos right in the beginning of the, the movie of showing a guy golfing and there's a, f- a wildfire like – <laughs> right next to the golf course. That was that was. And then I couldn't a guy tell if that was doctored or not. It was like with, a, a, with a tornado in the backyard. Those were great. They, I think the whole point was like sometimes you don't see what's right in front of you, or you become so desensitized to what's around. But that was those were great. I I got to look photos up photos of the women doing Molly or something <laughs> and dancing were hilarious. <laughs> I mean, the faces that they were making are so tortured <laughs> and just freaking weird. <laughs> You know, I, I'll get serious for a second. What's up with this movie even being made in today's political climate? Because you just talked about how the last, you know, five minutes is meant to show anything wrong in the world today. You can pin on the tail on, on Dick Cheney, right? And 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 while, while that's preposterous for many reasons, seeing this movie and seeing Condoleezza Rice in the Situation Room and some of the footage of the ca- the cast of characters kind of made me miss those halcyon days. Like, like <laughs> re- re- remember when when he wouldn't just tweet from the can overnight? Like, wasn't that better? Like, what, wasn't this a better environment? I can't believe this is coming out now because it really makes today's news look insane. Well, and it makes it makes this type of movie insane. I wrote my notes. How did this type of movie get made in the past? Like, how did we used to do this? We've made biopics of political figures in the past. We've made biopics of of polarizing figures in the past. And this movie was so polarizing or planned on being so polarizing that even had to put that scene in at the end 
to sort of preempt the outrage yeah, right. and basically blame that, hey, if you can't handle facts, you just must be a, an idiot. And I just thought – I mean it's one thing to sort of say, boy, you know, the, the, the presidency, presidency itself has been tarnished or, you know, what's happened to our news and, and journalism. But even this filmmaker, I, I just felt like – didn't. We used to be able to see a biopic of somebody like this. And this one is more traditional in that it's not quite cradle to grave, but it covers decades. Right. You know, the last couple of years we've gotten a lot of these, these biopics where it's like a two-month period or, a, you know, one year in their life or something. This is this is pretty expansive. And yet it's polarizing and told from a point of view the entire time that I just feel like in the past they wouldn't have done. And I don't sort of surprising yeah yeah I, i'm with you on that uh what's up what's up with the scene where his wife is giving him the business after she has to bail him out of jail and christian bale just lets a fly walk around on his face oh, yeah. <laughs> what did that add to the conversation <laughs> or to the scene he's just being so method where he's just gonna let it, it's like if the fly would have walked onto his eyeball, I feel like Christian Bale wouldn't have flinched. I would have barfed into my hands in the movie theater. I, but it just didn't add anything. There's there's no chance that that fly was anything other than CGI, right? I mean, they had to digitally add that to the film. I don't know. You know how good he is. Yeah, I guess you could be right. But then they're just dependent on the dumb luck, and you'd think McKay would just be like, all right. Uh, we'll we'll try it without the fly. <laughs> Someone will just kind of go from off screen and blow it away. What's up with the sequence where it just shows him when he's a uh, congressman just voting no to everything? <laughs> like, it, did, it was funny. They like the Protect the Environment Act. Nay. <laughs> it was know, a funny sequence. Anti-gun like, bill. Right. Nay. They named some of these bills in such a way that like you would have to really be without a heart to vote nay. Like right. he's the one and only nay vote on the entire House of Representatives. And even then, it never showed us anything he voted for. We just got the you know, the stop clubbing baby seals act and he votes no. <laughs> you know, the don't give guns to toddlers, Bill. He votes no. no. Like, if there's anything evil. Um, I did think the best moment of the whole movie, though, was when he tells Bush that he wants to be in charge of the military and energy policy and foreign policy. And Bush says yes. And even Christian Bale's character, even Dick Cheney, laughs. <laughs> like, he's kind of like, oh, like, he did not expect this to be so overwhelmingly and the way right away. The way he sells it to him, too, is brilliant. Like, I, I'm only going to do this if you offload some of that administrative presidential stuff. stuff. Right. Like, just give me anything related to foreign policy, national security, and energy. Like, right. that's just those. Other than that, you're in charge. <laughs> Yeah. But the, the laugh, the look at his face, like even he can't believe he's getting away with it, was such an indictment of W that you had to laugh out loud. You're like, oh, man, if that's really how it went, I think right. we'd all laugh. Yeah. Right, right. And then what's up with the choice of having the heart donor be the narrator? Oh, it's a spoiler. This whole show is called Spoiler Alert. Fair enough. What's up with that? I liked that. I thought that was really creative. You know, you, you knew because Jesse Plemons kept showing up every 15 minutes that at some point their paths are going to cross. And then of course you realize they never actually met. I'm guessing that's something that's got to be accurate. Like this character was a veteran of, of 
the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan, and I, you know, talked about his family and how this all went down. I'm guessing that was fact checked, but it was unique. I mean, when the vice president of the United States gets a heart transplant and is allowed to continue to live, the the interest story for the news is not going to be the guy that got hit while jogging in order to make that right. happen, right? I mean, right. that's just not it's a HIPAA violation anyway, so. <laughs> right. Uh, good old Adam McKay looking out for people's rights. Right, right. Mike, are you ready for five questions? Let, let's do it. Five vice-related listener-submitted questions. Thank you, listeners. Question number one. The cast and crew of this film filmed a musical sequence, which was later cut after McKay shifted to try and have a more serious tone. Do you think that was a good choice? Um... I guess I'd have to see the sequence to know. I don't think it would have fit in much like the the Shakespeare bit fell a little bit flat too. It, I think that that would have been a little weird. We were we're already dealing with a lot tonally in this film. I think adding a musical number might have been a bridge too far. Yeah, I was going to add to this listener's question just sort of a follow up. Do you think the tone of this film was serious? It certainly would have been less so with a musical number, I suppose. Right. But... I, I mean, I guess I would say that this one... I, I would consider this movie to have a less serious tone than The Big Short did. Right. A, a more serious tone than Anchorman did. Fair. Okay. Question number two. Christian Bale is 44 years old and put on more than 40 pounds to play Dick Cheney. That's easy to he do. Underwent, I could do that. He underwent similar body transformations for his film's... American Hustle, The Machinist, The Fighter, and The Dark Knight Trilogy. Those would have been a lot less easy. How long can Bale keep this up? I, I mean, he's got to be getting to the... Well, I don't know. I I often wonder this about actors, and I'm always so impressed with, with um, talented actors that can put on a lot of weight or get in fantastic shape or do like what Vigo did in... in uh, green book and then he's gonna have to lose 40 pounds to do his next role but then i think that is your job right like i mean you're you're an actor and you're not constantly on set and when they hire you they tell you what they need from you for the role so maybe it's not that impressive like if i had six hours to work out every day i could probably lose weight for my next role but with I a don't. trainer and yeah. a chef yes and you're exactly millions of dollars. correct right. yeah, i mean that takes a little that makes it a tad easier doesn't it right yeah well and i agree the gaining is no problem i could be 40 pounds right. heavier by monday yeah right i think no for problem. the machinist he was eating like an apple a day or something really really He's gross terrifying yeah. in the machinist yeah, yeah. Uh, give oh question number three. Here you kind of touched on this. Given his acting credits, do you think Tyler Perry was ever in the running to play Condoleezza Rice? <laughs> Would that have been a better role? <laughs> <to him? laughs> but but he plays her just like Medea. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like at least it's, totally it's, we know is if he's supposed to be funny or not. It's Tyler Perry as Medea playing Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. Uh, question number four. Does a movie with a liberal slant increase or decrease its Oscar odds in today's political climate? I don't know that it does. I, I still feel... We, we've talked about this in recent reviews, too, that... 
the movie that offends the least amount of people or pleases the most amount of people. The movie that that every everybody can watch at Thanksgiving or Christmas when the screeners get mailed out is what what is going to win. Um, I don't know about that though. After Spotlight and Moonlight, those are fairly liberal choices that they're sort of well I think that the characters or point of view definitely skewed more liberal I guess I just wouldn't have considered Moonlight to be a political movie one way or the other I think that the characters in there are more identified with a left leaning base sure fair enough Spotlight okay maybe that one um but I, it's a good question. I don't. I don't even know that in today's climate it would be any different than ten years ago or twenty years ago, uh, as far as that goes. Though I, I, I still think that it's typically more the King's speech than, <laughs> than than a left or right leaning film. So you're saying the Green Book is looking good? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. exactly okay. yes, yes. Question number five. Uh, again, listener submitted question. Harry Whittington, Cheney's old hunting buddy told USA Today that he plans to see the movie Vice in theaters. Do you think he'll be disappointed that so little screen time is devoted to when that dick shut off in his face? Yes. Yes, he'll be disappointed oh. about that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, okay. It, I mean, that scene does... I mean, that's like a... It's like a three-second scene, right? I mean, it's Dick Cheney getting out of the car, and his gun goes off, and the guy hits the deck, and they move on like four seconds later. It's it's over in a heartbeat. That's one of those things that was just such a public joke when it happened, and I don't know why they even included it. I think it, it was a big story in the waning days of the Bush administration that it had to get included. I'm glad they didn't give it any more airtime than that. But they did give it enough airtime to show that again Darth Vader apparently shot this guy in the face so rather than Darth Vader apologizing the guy apologizes to Darth Vader <laughs> right. right yes right. yeah yeah when Vito Corleone shoots you in the face you just apologize for your face face being in the way, in the way. Bullets, <laughs> apparently right. yeah that's yeah. what this movie had to say yeah I I mean they they did give it that comment which i guess you know again this is a movie based in fact if there's no public record of him ever saying he's sorry i mean well what are you gonna do what are you gonna do well buddy that was five questions thanks listeners thank you listeners great questions uh final thoughts on vice would you send people out to see it i would not encourage people to see it in the movie theater but i think it's worth catching sometime okay but i would say you got to have either a really open mind or no going in that this is not uh, your traditional biopic. How about you? I liked it and, and would tell people that I think share political ideology with me to go see it. I, I don't know that uh, right-leaning friends of mine I'd say, oh, you're going to love it because I <laughs> don't think you probably will. I think it's going to be interesting to see what impact it has on the awards race because it's already nominated for a bunch of Golden Globes, which we've always talked about in the past, isn't always an indicator of future Oscar success. It's a small pool of people, and it's the Hollywood foreign press that loves to make fun of the United States right. anyway. So this is totally in their wheelhouse. You know, but Adam McKay's last feature film that he wrote and directed had made a big splash. Um, right. So I think it'll just be interesting to see where this one tonally sits with our expanding academy. All right. 
Well, that was Vice, and coming up next, we've got the uh, the film Holmes and Watson, starring frequent Adam McKay collaborator Will Ferrell. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.